0: Due to technical difficulties, the first part of this message was re-recorded. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. This week we're going to be starting um, a quick one-time message on some things that I really want to share with you when it comes to the vision of our church going into 2018 next week we'll start our first Corinthians series called if not of this will be a study through the book of first corinthians and what we'll do is we'll basically lay a foundation throughout our year of uh, the book of first corinthians walking through verse by verse word by word together it could take us a while to go through it and we'll pop out of that series and jump into uh some other topics and some other things throughout the journey and uh, we, But we'll always kind of fall back onto 1 Corinthians as we study the Bible together. And the reason I chose the book of Corinthians was because it talks a lot about some major, major hot topics and differing thoughts that we are challenged with in our society today. And as the Apostle Paul founded the church in Corinth, after he left the church, the whole thing fell apart. And it fell apart because there was all sorts of pride and excessive behavior and spiritual giftings were being misused. And it was just misunderstandings that were rampant in the church. And Paul wrote the letter to help bring some clarity to how to apply biblical view in a world that holds a worldview. How do we conduct our lives in a society that does not have absolute truth? And so we'll be talking about that next week. But this week, just uh, we're going to be spending one week talking about the idea of experiencing more. Then I want to talk to you today about three different parts uh, of the local church, three different parts of local of, of a healthy local church. Many years ago, my wife and I uh, uh, owned a home. Look at the. I'm going to show you a picture of us on the screen here, uh, and uh, you like my hair. My daughter was about, you know, maybe a year old, and we had uh, this will be our our second home that we would have built. We were super excited, and look at that picture of us and how young we look. And man, I got my long hair there. Um, And uh, yeah, we built our own house, and we would often visit the the construction site. We wanted to look. At the construction site, we wanted to see kind of what, how the progress was coming and how things were going, and we wanted to kind of fully understand why they did what they did and where they did stuff so that when the house was built, we could look back on how the house was built and refer to that so that we could say, okay, I know why they did it this way. I know why it was built like that. And Today, we're going to kind of just visit the construction site, kind of look at how things are built. Talk a little bit about what our heart is for this year and really lay some foundation for the structure of our church. Often in today's church experience, we often uh, dictate whether we go to a church or not or whether we're involved in a church or not based on our attendance on Sunday. We often ask someone, hey, do you uh, go to church? And they'll say, yeah, I go to church at this church. And generally what that means is they attend church there on Sunday. The average attendance is generally about twice a month. And so most people would identify their involvement in a local church by their attendance on a Sunday. And what I shared, I made this reference last week. If you are a part of our church at Love City Church, I want to articulate that I believe that if you're only a part of your Sunday gathering, you're actually only experiencing a small part of what God intended for his church. Just a small part. I believe there's three parts in order for you to truly experience what God intended for the local church, there's three different parts that I really want you to experience. And so if you're new to the church or you've been a part of Love City Church for a while and you, you come on Sundays, which I think is awesome, and I want to I encourage you to continue to do that, uh, I want to encourage you today to consider how you might engage in these other parts of our church in order to have the full experience that I believe creates and uh, makes... Disciples that are healthy, growing, and loving. And so uh, I just want to ask the question what is the goal of the church? What is the goal of the church? And this might surprise you, but the goal of the church is not to make Christians. The goal of the church is not to make church attenders. The goal of the church is not to make people who donate or are donatees. And if you look on the screen behind me, you'll see that this graph shows you that the, the, the currently right now, a lot of the church models, which I want to say is not necessarily bad or wrong, it's just not how we're supposed to build. I was listening one time to a preacher, a speaker, a pastor named Rick Warren. I'm sure you know who he is, but he's the author of The Purpose Driven Life and uh, pa- uh, pastors uh, a church in uh, Saddle, called Saddleback. And he made a comment one time, he was sitting in a church service, and uh, he was really frustrated, frustrated at the church, frustrated at what he was hearing, and he was getting kind of angry, and he felt the Lord spoke, speak to him. And the Lord said to him, hey, Rick, I'm, I don't want you to be upset, I'm actually showing you the things that you value, and the things you don't value, and how I want you to build your church. And so, there's many different churches that do it many different ways and they're not necessarily bad. They're not necessarily unbiblical or wrong. I just want to articulate today how I feel God is asking us to build. What do we value? How do we believe the approach to building the local churches for love city church? And so, I want you to hear my heart in that reality, and so this graph shows us that that most environments, a lot of environments, are built on the idea that that seventy-five percent of the local church experience is on is at your Sunday morning services, and so the 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 sole purpose of this this structure is to grow your Sunday services, and so you have twelve and a half percent are programs, um, maybe on that Sunday or throughout the week, and twelve and a half percent are ministries, and those ministries and those programs are all built to to, to funnel into the Sunday gathering. And so really, the entire church existence is really about the Sunday gathering. And, And so you might say, listen, I want the church to grow too. I want our Sunday gathering to grow. I want to fill this entire room. I want to see this entire gym with green floors full to the max. Come on, I believe this year we're going to double in size. I'm believing the Lord's going to bless us and and that we're going to see a, a growth this year, not growth by uh, church growth strategies or by marketing poise, but simply by uh, doing the necessary things that God asked us to do. And I want to believe that this year God is going to grow our church, that God is going to double our church. And you have a part to play in that. You've got and to invite people to join you on Sunday and invite your friends and family and encourage people to be a part of one of these areas, if not all of them, is what I'm encouraging you to do today. So I want to see our Sunday gatherings grow, of course. But that in these environments, we see that the predominant uh, bulk part of the church is a Sunday gathering. So I ask the question again, what is the goal? Our goal is not to make Christians. Our goal is not to make church attenders. Our goal is not to make people who donate. Our goal is to make disciples. That's the goal, to make disciples. We're not just making Christians here. We're not just making church attenders. We are making disciples. So what's, what's our goal? What's Love City Church's goal? Why do we exist? Well, very simply put, we are here to make disciples that are healthy, that are growing, and that are loving. We're here to make disciples that are healthy, growing, and loving. And we take that directly from the key text that I shared many times Anytime we talk about the church in Ephesians 4.16, it says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And how do we do this? We do this by creating environments where people can experience and express the love of Jesus together. This comes directly from Ephesians 3. This is uh, where we got the name of our church, and it says this, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand. May you experience the love of Christ. That experience, the, the environments where you can experience and express the love of Jesus. So we're we're, we're all about making disciples that are healthy, growing, and loving And we do this by creating environments where people can experience and express the love of Jesus. Those environments, I like to call those rhythms. Uh, About four years ago, maybe five years ago, when we first moved to Calgary, my wife and I weren't in ministry. We weren't really in ministry. We weren't really, uh, we were going to a church, but we weren't really involved. I was running my business. And honestly, I was really frustrated about the state of the church. I was frustrated about my experience with church. And, I, and it wasn't that anyone was bad. I just felt like like Rook Warren. God was showing me what I value. And, but I was frustrated. And we were on a walk and my dog was walking ahead of us, sniffing the ground. And my kids were running around. And my wife, I was venting to Stephanie and she was diligently listening as she always does. And I remember going silent for a, a little part of the walk. And then I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of prompt me, speak to my heart, drop something in my mind. I said, Stephanie, I got it. I think God just gave me the rhythm for the church that we're going to pastor one day. This was four, five years ago. I said, I just believe God gave me the rhythm, the the rhythm in which we are going to grow the church, and and I believe that it's this rhythm, it's this three parts that are all equally important, but they all have value, but they all are kind of a breakdown for what our rhythm is as a church. And so the three rhythms I'll share with you this morning, and which I'll spend most of my time on the last two, are this. The first one is, is we gather together. So the idea, we gather. And the second one is that we grow together. So we grow. And the third one is we go together. We go. So we gather, we grow, and we go. We gather, we grow, and we go. It's easy just to focus on the gathering and make gathering the most important. Gathering is what we do, but I believe the Lord has teaches in Scripture and and, and really in our lives that there are three parts of the local church, and in order for you and I to truly experience what God has in store for you and to truly see healthy, growing, and loving disciples made, we have to engage in all areas of this. We have to gather together, we have to grow together, and we have to go together. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the first one, we gather together. So really, there's two ways that, that we gather together. We gather together first and very foremost, obviously, by our Sunday gathering. We believe our Sunday gatherings are of, of, of utmost importance. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another. This is really interesting because the book of Hebrews was written by, supposedly by Paul, I believe the author was Paul, and it was written not too long after the, 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 the beginning of the church. This is interesting because it would mean that already that soon after the church had launched, in the very beginning of the church, people were already falling out of the habit of meeting together. They were already falling out of the habit of gathering together regularly. It was already something that was happening. And Paul came and said, listen, don't give up the habit, the discipline. Don't give up the discipline of meeting together. I believe that being a part of a local church and being, I believe, regular attendance to a Sunday gathering is a a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. I believe, in fact, I believe that meeting on Sunday, uh, gathering of the saints, our Sunday gatherings, regularly being a part of it, is just as important as prayer and reading your Bible. I believe that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ on your on your own. I believe that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you could never step doors, uh, step into a church, uh, your feet into a church ever. I really believe that you can have a relationship with God, know God, and never go to church. But I also believe that there is something God intended for you to experience by being with one another, by engaging one another by spurring one another on, by sharpening one another. Uh, it's uh, church. The local church, the Sunday gathering is about you being with other people. It's not about an individualistic experience. It is solely and fully about you being with other followers of Jesus. And I believe that this is a spiritual discipline. I believe that this is a spiritual discipline. Now let me just say this just to make a side note. I'm not the kind of person who's going to keep track of your attendance. I'm you know, I, I generally, by my, my natural inclination, is to, is to care who is and isn't there. And I will care because I want you to experience what God's speaking and what God's doing. And I want you to, I know it's one of those things where you say, oh, I don't want to go. But then you go and you say, oh, I'm so glad that I went. I mean, that's kind of the case for me almost every Sunday, to be honest. But the reality is, is that I do believe there's something biblical, spiritual, and powerful when you and I gather on Sunday. It's not just anecdotal, though. There's actually some scripture and some history that proves it. Acts 2.46, it says every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Acts 5.12, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Uh, in fact, early inspired uh, his, historical leaders, uh, early church fathers, um, Barnabas, 70 to 130 AD, it says, every day you should seek out the faces of the saints. Adachi said the same thing. Ignatius, one of our early church fathers, says, for when you assemble frequently in the same place, the powers of Satan are destroyed. Let your assembling together be a frequent occurrence. And then later, Justin Martyr in 160 AD said, on the day of called Sunday, All who live in the cities or in the country gather together to one place. Sunday is the day on which we all hold our common meeting because it is the first day on which God made the world. These are early church fathers and scripture that articulates that the frequent meeting of the saints, frequent meeting of the followers of Jesus Christ was, was of utmost importance for the church. It was so important. So when you come to church on Sunday, when you are a part of our Sunday gathering, what should you expect? Well, firstly, we celebrate Jesus. Very simply, we celebrate what Jesus has done. We celebrate who he is. We honor him. We praise him. We lift him high. We make sure that he is the focal point. We celebrate Jesus. Secondly, we inspire and encourage one another. We spur one another on. We we, we encourage one another. We pray for one another. We speak life to one another. I say this every Sunday at the end of our sermon. I encourage you to inspire one another. Grab someone and say, hey, this is what God spoke to me. Let me pray for you. What's God speaking to you? That is what the Sunday gathering is all about. Thirdly, we prepare, we prepare you to do God's work. Anytime I say this word preparation or, or the word equip. It gets a little scary, but the idea of being equipped is the Greek word literally means to work out, to adjust, or the idea of to massage. It's like going to uh, to a, to a chiropractor. When you go to the chiropractor, you know they put your hands in the back and they kind of feel your back for a minute and they recognize, oh, that's where the the muscle's out of place and they push that muscle and you're like, ah, it just hurts like crazy. It's super painful and super harsh. But then when they're done, you move your back around and you shift your body and think, oh my gosh, I feel fantastic. It's because the chiropractor is restoring your body and your muscles back to the way it was originally intended. That is the expectation That when you come to the house of God, you should be challenged, you should be uh, uh, prodded, you should be uh, uh, equipped, you should be challenged to do uh, the works of ministry, convicted in your walk with God and your belief system and your perspectives about life. You should be adjusted and and, 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 and in those moments when you come on Sundays, you should expect that you are going to be challenged with God's word. Let me just encourage you. If you're listening to podcasts, or or even uh, ever have an opportunity to be a part of a local church, and you're not being challenged in this way in the Scripture, I want to encourage you to consider that maybe you're not being taught. Biblically, There's a biblical way to teach God's word and it leaves you feeling challenged. It leaves you feeling encouraged. It leaves you feeling like, oh man, I got to adjust that way of thinking or that perspective or that attitude in my understanding of who God is and his word and my marriage and finances and life. It should adjust you. It should equip you and you should be able to go out and do the works of ministry and serve God in that way line our lives to that. And so when we come on Sundays, we should anticipate and expect that we are going to be adjusted. After my study of the purpose of the church, I have come to the conclusion that the preached message on Sunday is predominantly for the believer. The purpose of the preached scripture on Sunday is for those in the room who are professed born-again Christians the scripture says that we are to equip you for the works of ministry, that you might go out and do the works. This is a training ground and an equipping place for you. The last thing we do is we reach those far from God. You say, well, Ryan, what about how, why would I invite someone who doesn't know God or is, a new, is a, kind of wondering if you're telling me that your sermon is not going to be for them? Because there are two things that happen in this room that they most likely have never experienced before. The first one is the presence of the Lord. You can never doubt the impact of what it feels like for the first time after being in a parched place. Maybe you've gone to the desert or gone on a long run and at the end of it, what do you want? All you want is a drink. After being in a parched place, in a dry environment, living in a land, in a life where you have never experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when you walk in the room and James is playing on the guitar and the presence of God is here and you sense him like we do every week, and they think, oh my gosh, what is this sensation? What is this feeling? What am I sensing right now? That is the Holy Spirit ministering to their hearts. The second thing that unbelievers will be impacted by is our community. The fact that we are together, the fact that you know one another, the fact that you spend all this time with one another, the fact that you're encouraging one another, the fact that you're having relationship with one another and loving one another and caring for one another. Those are the type of environments that unbelievers don't often experience. And when they see the, the tight-knitted church and they see the presence of the Lord, something will happen in their lives. And trust me, I always try to prepare a message that is encouraging in the end and life-giving. And so we encourage you, to invite your friends to church, from five members to church, knowing that the presence of the Lord could change their lives forever. Okay, the second thing that we gather is our pursue nights. I wanted to do a little plug for this. Every first and third Wednesday of the month from 7 to 8, we pray at my house. Now, when you think prayer meeting, you probably think that we have a list of 47 things that we're praying for, standing in a room, and, you know, what's well, someone, Oh, God, I pray you just help Jim. He's just, you know, having a tough day, and... You know, last week he stubbed his toe, God. Would you just fill him, Lord? It's your turn, Jan. Okay, Lord, we pray for Jimmy, and, um, you know, he just, uh, oh, Lord, help him. Like, you know, we just don't know. Lord, we know we don't know what's going on in life, Lord. That type of experience is not what we do at our pursuit nights. For those of you who have been a part of our priesthood nights, you know that we worship. We experience the presence of the Lord. We don't have an agenda. We actually let the Holy Spirit tell us what to pray for. And we say, come on, what are you sensing? And every week, I sense the Lord give me words for people. I'm in prophetic environments. And Bassie's there praying for people. And Andrew and Brittany have come. And Ryan and Julie and all different people in this room. Listen, it's two hours out of the entire month where we're committing ourselves to spending extra time pressing into God, expecting God to minister to our lives. Two hours out of the entire month. I encourage you to make it a priority this year to come to at least one, one a month, one hour. Come and worship with us, come and pray with us. And during those times, I'm gonna encourage you to fast something during those two days. On the first and third Wednesday, I'm gonna personally fast something, whether it's a coffee or maybe it's a lunch or maybe... Maybe it's um, a bad attitude. <laughs> just kidding. Um, something, fasting something on that day, so we can expect that night God's going to do something significant. Amen? So these are the ways we gather. We gather by our Sunday gatherings, and we gather by our pursue nights. Let's just read this one verse that's there. They all, they all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Okay, we grow together. We believe that in order for our church to be healthy, we must grow smaller and bigger at the same time. Acts two forty-two to 47 says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day... They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Look at this. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves. This is one of the biggest missing components in the church today, I believe. And most believers don't realize that it isn't just devotion to Jesus. It isn't just devotion to serve God. It is also devotion to one another. That word devotion there actually means steadfastly giving attention to something. Persevere without fainting. To continually be ready for, to wait for constantly. To constantly be positioning yourself, to be investing into, to be engaging in, to be in relationship with one another. They devoted themselves to fellowship. I just typed one another in my Bible search, and look what came up. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another. Serve one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Admonish one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. They devoted themselves to fellowship. That word fellowship there is a very famous word, koinonia. This word koinonia is the actual word where we get community from. But it's actually, if you flop it over, it's actually also the word intimacy. And yes, it is the exact word used to describe the actual action of sexual relationship between a married man and a married woman. When they talk about this, koinonia, they knew them. This word koinonia was the word to describe intimacy. It's an intimate part of our heart connected to the other person. There's relationships. Relationship, there's connection, there's deep intimacy. I believe in the kingdom of God. There was such intimacy between brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters. Such connection, such intimacy. That is what the world will see as different in us. That, man, they're not even related. In fact, they're from a different country. They barely even speak the same language. But there's something inside of them that causes such deep intimacy. We had a uh, Bible study this Thursday every uh, Uh, Second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 a.m. And this last one, I just sensed intimacy. I just sense people sharing and connecting and being together. We had a premarital counseling appointment this week, and I just sensed intimacy. We, 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 were, we had a dinner with some friends this week, and I just sensed this intimacy. You have to be devoted to giving this intimacy. The issue and the problem is many people come into a church, and they walk in, and they walk out. You say, "Well, how did you like that church? They say, well, nobody talked to me. Nobody was intimate with me. Nobody gave me community. Now, I understand that's a little awkward going into a room and no one spoke to you, but as a follower of Jesus, it's actually your job to be devoted to intimacy with someone else. I encourage you, when you walk into the room of the church, don't stand there and wait for someone to come to you. You, I know it's hard. I know you're an introvert. I know those things. I get it. Find someone in the room who looks relatively similar to you in some capacity. Walk up to them and say, hi, can I get you a coffee how was your day this week? Who are they going to talk to me? They say, oh, thank you. i was so glad you talked to me. I didn't know who to talk to. Here you are talking to me. You develop a relationship. You end up being in one another's wedding. You end up being best friends. You're sitting in a rocking chair when you're 90 years old. Just, oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you asked me about that coffee. Intimacy with one another. It's not something that's supposed to come to you. It's something that you are supposed to give to others, and that's how it works. Back and forth. Cause and effect. Back and forth. Intimacy with one another. Listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, this is one of your expectations as a follower of Christ to extend yourself towards someone else and be devoted to fellowship in their life, to give something to them. It's like in marriage. If I always expected my wife to give me love and I never, I'm not going to give you love until you give me love, do you think that would be a very healthy relationship? How many times does I have to engage my wife knowing that I'm not going to get anything returned? It's not about getting anything returned. It's about my God-given responsibility to engage my wife. That same concept is reserved for followers of Jesus Christ. Let's read a scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Paul here is talking to the church of Philippi, and he's talking, as you see, about a personal experience. He's, he's not talking to necessarily a group of people saying, hey, have you guys? He's actually writing, the, 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 the way he wrote this was actually saying, okay, it's more of an individual conversation. He's talking specifically to the people. And he's saying to them, listen, have you ever experienced uh, encouragement from being united with Christ? Have you ever experienced compassion from the Lord? Have you ever experienced tenderness in His love? Have you ever had a personal, individual experience with God? Have you had that moment in your car or that moment when you're by yourself and you experience the Lord and you're sad and He comes and encourages you? Have you ever had a personal, individual experience with God? Now, when I was reading this, I really feel the Lord spoke to my heart a a caution or a concern on how to build our church, remember, a value of what I don't want to do. A lot of environments today, they, they realize that there are a lot of Christians who do not have a time in their word or the bible or worship or relationship they are not having these moments of comfort moments of tenderness moments of relationship with god during their week and so they believe that it's their job to create individualistic environments for you to experience what's on the screen so when you come in i want it to be just i want you to have a personal experience with christ I want you to have something that's going to affect you. I want you to be talked to. I want you to have an encounter. I want you to be encouraged. And so what the church does is they create environments for this because it's not happening outside of that day. And so I'm not reading my Bible during the week. I'm not experiencing God during the week. And so I come to church, and I expect you to provide that for me. But I have to tell you this morning, that was actually not the intention of the church. Should you be encouraged on Sunday? Yes. Should you experience this comfort on Sunday? Of course. Those are the environments of being in God's presence. The actual intention of the church is for you to be in an environment where you are actually serving someone else, where you are loving someone else, where you are encouraging someone else, where you are speaking life into someone else. This speaks to the consumeristic, individualistic society that we live in. We create churches where it's all about me. And I don't want to build that type of a church. And you want to know why? Because I believe God blesses Unity. God moves when you are experiencing vulnerableness vulnerable-ism, I'll make it up, vulnerable-ism with another individual or another person. What happens is, is God does something that you've never experienced before because you've only been on the level of individualism in your walk with God so churches do this. We create a 75% Sunday gathering. Come in, it's all about you. It's like Disneyland, which isn't bad. I'd love to have a Disneyland place. Trust me, it'd be kind of cool. But whatever, like you walk in, and it's just about me. It's about my personal experience. Well, how was the church? Well, I kind of like this, and I like the coffee. And that second song was not to my liking. And I went into the men's restroom, and they did not have the type of air freshener that I enjoy. We just have these individualistic, consumeristic perspectives about the church. And I honestly think it grieves the heart of our father. I think it does. I think that God says, I I know your intentions are right. I know that you're building this, and it's great, and I know that you have a heart of gold when you do this, but really when you come into church, it's not about the lights. It's not about the stage. It's about you connecting with someone else here, having a, a, a community, koinonia, intimate encounter with someone else here as a follower of Jesus Christ. The only thing that brings you to this room is the person sitting next to you. You could worship and Listen to a great podcast at home, couldn't you? There's greater preachers than me all over the place. Go online and listen to them and stay at home and don't engage. You can do that. That's not the purpose of the church. The church is for you to come and be encouraged and be blessed. All those things, yes, but the primary focus, in my opinion, in my study, is for you to have encountering relationship with one another where you're beginning to grow in your relationship with God through your growth in your relationship with one another. We grow together. And in Philippians 2, 2, the next verse, he says, make my joy complete. If you've had an individualistic experience with God, if you've had these moments with the Lord, if you've experienced Him on a crazy high level, if you've had Bible times with Him and experienced His comfort and all these different things on your own, he says, now, make my joy complete. That word joy there, complete, or complete, actually, is the word to cause God's word to receive fulfillment. He's saying, listen, fulfill my ministry, This is the goal of why I built this church. Make my joy complete, he says. He says, when I set out to start Love City Church, when I set out to start the Church of Philippi, my objective wasn't to have the hottest individualistic experience in the city. My objective was fulfill my ministry by laying your life down for one another and having one heart and one mind together. He's saying the objective of the church, the goal of the church, the foundation of his ministry was that the church that he would start would not be about the individualistic experience, but it would be about you having like minds, you having the same love, you being in one spirit and in one mind, being unified together, growing together. And if we look at these scriptures, this is very interesting. We look at the phrase, same love. That word actually, in other translations, maybe even in the ESV, they use uh, maintain, the word maintain. That word maintain is the Greek form of the phrase to have and to hold. So the, the similar word for same love would be if you're having a wedding vow saying to have and to hold, and instead you say, I will maintain, or, or you're saying, I, I will have the same love. To have and to hold. It's interesting that he would use this marriage, this marriage uh, conversation, to say to have and to hold, to to maintain that same love. Meaning this: Have you uh, married people in the room? Uh, listen, I've been married for almost thirteen years, and there's just days when I get under my wife's skin in such a way where she doesn't like me very much. Hard to believe, I know. There are days when my wife drives me nuts and we fight, we argue, or we're having a difference of agreement or we're not seeing things eye to eye or there's certain things I do that drive her nuts or vice versa. And I just am like, oh, I just don't want to be around you right now. Like, I don't really like you right now. Like, I just don't really want to be in the same room as you right now. But I am committed to have and to hold. I am committed to maintaining a relationship, a love with my wife. Why? Because I made a commitment to her. And just like you made a commitment to serve Jesus Christ this is one of the biggest, uh, I think, errors in a local church that I believe grieves the heart of God more than anything is when individuals in the church have offense with one another, have arguments with one another, they don't see eye to eye with one another, they're offended by one, by one another, and they do not maintain the same love that they were called to maintain because they don't like the person, they don't agree with the person, they don't like what's going on, and so you leave a family and go to another family, you divorce yourself, from that relationship to get into a new relationship because you're not willing to do what the Bible asked you to do in the first place. Maintain love for one another even when that person offends me, even when I don't like that person. That is what God calls us to do. He asks us to maintain a relationship with one another and not give up in doing good in that way. The second word he uses here is to be in one spirit and of one mind of one spirit and of one mind. That word actually has an interesting phrasing. Look what it says. A union of soul. It actually means, literally means one soul. Or look at this, harmonious. That word actually means musically concordant. So if you were to take a a, a, a sound or if you want to describe what it looks like to be a church who's gathering, growing together and unified, you can use music as an example. I just have two examples. I want to show you what a church who's not unified sounds like. You can go ahead and unmute the media if you want. So that's what offense sounds like. That's when we're not willing to work things out. That's when we're not willing to engage with one another. That's what it sounds like when we walk into church and think, okay, if no one talks to me, I'm out of here. That's what it sounds like in the ears of God when we respond in that way. But I have a better example. Can you turn it up? Because I love this. If you've never seen this movie, you should watch it. It's called The Mission. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Listen to this. God hears when there's unity. Unify one spirit, one mind, working things out, willing to engage one another, love one another. Isn't it beautiful? One of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard. And this is what God hears. And you and I, are willing to engage one another, to grow together, to love one another, one Now, how do we do this? What's our model? What's our environment? Well, obviously, life groups. <laughs> All build up to that. Look at that. <laughs> Sales pitch. Starts today, and we believe that this is the structure in which you can experience these things, Bible study, fellowship, communion, prayer, support, worship, outreach, three types of groups we offer, life together groups, uh, Ryan, Julie, and uh, Andrew and Brittany lead this. It's just, they meet throughout the year, and they, they look at the sermons that, I, that I'll preach, or whoever preaches that day, and they're going to study them and get them deeper and look more into them. And it's just real chill. And we have uh, uh, holistic life groups that are about training, uh, financial peace, uh, Andrew's leading a, a finance one. And uh, we have all sorts of different, we have a mom's group and all different things like that. Then we have a connect Bi- Bible studies and all sorts of different things like that, Bible studies. And... Um, and all the ones, there's about seven of them, I think, but you're welcome to go online. And I encourage you, if you're not engaged in one, we have three semesters, engage in one. This is a, a platform for you, an opportunity, an on ramp for you to just get into some relationship with some people and, and begin to engage with one another. Amen? Let me just quickly t- t- get to the, the third one here. Excuse me. I've been drinking a lot of carbonated pop, and it makes me burp. The third one here is we go together. As of 2016, Calgary's population is over 1.2 million people. 54% are professed Christians, including all denominations and Catholics. So even in that number, there's probably a lot of individuals who really aren't actual disciples of Jesus Christ. 34% make up all other religions and 12% are non-religious. That means that there's over over potentially 669,000 people in this city who don't know Jesus Christ. It's important that you understand that, that we, it is our responsibility as followers of Jesus to spread the news about Christ. There's a few ways we do this. And the first one is we, we, we provide a, a reach events. We'll talk, talk about these in a moment. I'm going to show just a quick video a reach events. And the second thing we do is serve opportunities. We want to help kids, children, and specifically kids who are in foster care facilities. And um, and we want to do that. And those are kind of two environments. We've got some things coming up, and Madison's going to talk to us about it. <music>
1: Love City Church, here's a recap of our outreach highlights in 2017. So in the Easter we had our big event at the Cedar Bright Community Centre where we had 350 people attend. We handed out over 1,500 Easter eggs to kids and had tons of fun events. And then at our Stampede lunch at the Cedar Bright Community Centre as well, we partnered with them to hand out tons of water bottles and had a bouncy house castle for the kids. Through your donations in the fall, we were able to give backpacks, shoes and school supplies to foster children in need. As well, at Thanksgiving time, we we're able to give three full dinner baskets to families who weren't able to supply their own dinners. At Christmas time, you supplied 36 Christmas presents for foster care children in our community who otherwise would have had no gifts. We gave $1,500 to families in need in Love City Church and also $3,000 to church plants across North America. And we we're able to send three pastors to a local church planting conference. Through your donations, we were able to use $3,000 to give to a church in Naples. They use this money to provide food to families in need, also to provide a safe place for children to be, and to help the elderly find jobs. This one was really awesome because it was a place that used to be used for criminal activity, and is now used for something awesome like that. Here are the details of our 2018 vision. We hope to continue to give food baskets to families in need inside and outside of La City Church, as well as to provide financial support for churches internationally. We'll host another Easter event that reaches many families, as well as we hope to have a special date night out for foster parents and children. We will again be supplying backpacks, shoes, and school supplies for foster children in need, as well as giving them Christmas presents when the season comes around. We hope again this year to provide Thanksgiving dinner baskets to families in need inside and outside of our church, as well as to expand on our Halloween event to get into more homes and reach more people. 2018 is going to be an awesome year to serve and reach those in need in our community, but we need you to get involved. We'll keep you posted on ways that you can do this throughout the year. We're so excited to see what God has in store for Love State Church this year. I'm going to build a culture that is conducive to kingdom living and kingdom giving. Because God says, my hand is on you, not just to build, but to build right. Not just to build deep, but to build wide. And God says, as you look to me, there will be an increased vision. And you will do things differently. And new life, new birth, new vision, new hope, and new direction.
0: Come on, isn't that great? You guys, uh, with your donations last year and all that we were able to do, we did a lot of stuff for our first year of our church. And we're going to do a lot of other really cool stuff. If you have any more questions about that, you can talk to Andy Lee. Uh, uh, Chantel Bender you can talk to um, Madison Kerr or my wife and they're a part of that team Uh, and lastly I just want to end on one quick thought here Uh, there's four areas which you can uh, reach people far from God and serve those in need and the four are reach events Our Easter uh, Halloween we're also doing a foster care uh, dinner for families who are, are foster parents and their kids serve opportunities or as she mentioned backpacks and food Life groups, obviously. And then lastly, sharing your faith. And I want to just end with this quick thought. It's important that you understand that sharing your faith is also an important part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. But it's really sad to me that that oftentimes I'm afraid to share about Jesus. And I know that it's a common reality in most Christians. So I want to encourage you with this last thought this morning. See, a lot of people ask you, Ryan, how do I share my faith? What do I do? How do I do this? Well, you got to first accept the personal responsibility. It is your responsibility. It's not mine. It's not my job to preach to your friends. It's not my job to preach to your family. or share Jesus with them. It's yours. The second thought here is that you need to build a personal relationship with them. Don't just go into your sales pitch. <laughs> Jesus loves you and run away. <laughs> Come on, you got to develop a relationship with them. These are neighbors and family members. Those are the times and the moments when you have the most impact. Remember my neighbor, his name's Tyler, and I'm still praying that they'll come to the Lord. Standing on the back of my deck, he was turning 40, and he just had this moment, this crisis of belief in his life, where he's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be 40. And I just said, Tyler, do you know Jesus? I, I've worked up to this one moment. Do you know Christ? And I'm telling you, all the things you're looking for in your life will come through a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm willing to show you how. Now, he didn't give his life to the Lord. But I did my job. I did my responsibility. I shared my faith. and He's got tears in his eyes. And I know one day Tyler is going to come to Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him. And I want to encourage you to understand that you just have to develop a relationship. And lastly, or I'm sorry, thirdly, share your story. Look what this says in 1 Peter 2 and 9. If you're the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instrument to do His work and speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. Just tell people how God has changed your life. Find one small thing that you can build a really cool story around and tell that story as many times as you can. And lastly this morning, very simply give a personal invitation When's the last time you've invited someone to come to church with you? The last time you invited someone to coffee to talk to them about a relationship with the Lord? When's the last time you invited someone over to dinner knowing that that night I'm going to share my faith with them? When's the last time you did that? If you invite them, good chances are 10 out of 10 people, 5 or 6 will say yes. i want to share this last scripture. Matthew 5, 13. Let me tell you why you are here. Jesus talking. Let me tell you why you are here. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You lose your saltiness. How will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Ooh. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with it. This, uh, this is a public a city on a hill. I make you light bearers. You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm going to put you on a light stand. Now that you have, I put you on the hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people you to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. I'm going to show you this one last video, and I've showed it before, but I want you just to see what it's like for people who only see gray. It's your job to bring God colors to the lives of people. Let's watch this last video, and then we'll worship. Well, the color I am colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So now these, are, these are special glasses. Your kids have been engineered that when people wear them that are color blind, you get to see color just like we all see color. Like these colors.
1: Yeah. And it came with balloons and all that.
0: Oh, my I can put these on, and it'll, You'll see this is like it was supposed to be? It'll like current. how we all see direct your eyes so that you'll see how it's goes to do. It's so ringing. It's so clear I can't believe it. It's so <sighs> See the balloon color?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Papa, look at the hat. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs)
0: See, you may not realize this because you've been a Christian for so long. But when you shine God colors in the lives of people, they see like they've never seen before. People who don't have hope people that don't have joy, people that don't know what it's like to experience the Holy Spirit, people don't know what it's like to have joy and peace when life is terrible, when their situation is incredibly dire, yet they have hope. That only comes from Jesus. As we go into our time of worship today, I want you to really consider your responsibility to share your faith. Giving people these God-colored glasses. Hey, look through these and you'll see things.